You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff, my very horse friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, uh, I can't believe we're saying this again, but the Islanders are through to the Final Four. They defeated the Bruins in six games. Uh, when you f- speak right now, I think you'll uh, echo the sounds of a lot of other people who were at that game, uh, game six, and uh, screaming their. Uh, their hearts out. It was, if you ask me, the best Islanders game I've seen ever in my entire life. It's my favorite game ever. And it was just an unbelievable sight to watch on TV. I can't imagine what it was like in person. I They kicked their ass. Like the, the Islanders just kicked their ass. It was unbelievable. Um, I couldn't believe it. It was like that was my favorite night to be at the Coliseum, I think, ever. Um, my favorite, maybe my favorite game ever. Uh, there's just, there is so much cathartic relief. Like, um, it turns out the Islanders, all the Islanders needed to do to get an iota of respect from anybody was to make it to the conference finals two years in a row with a (laughs) roster that was counted out a hundred different times. And that's, that's all you need to do to get respect from anybody. And and they're still not even getting it, which is great. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Bruce Cassidy, I mean, I'm just gonna dial. I'm gonna bring it back a minute. Walking into the place and seeing my, one of my friends included, people wearing New Orleans Saints jerseys, New York Saints clothes. I, I did an interview with USA Today a couple of days ago. This was pre Bruce Cassidy even having that interview. 
Mm. Um, it was Monday morning, and uh, I had said that the base of the, the premise of the article was like, why is this goodbye different from the last goodbye? And and I said that uh, you know this one is very much like a New Orleans style funeral. It's like <laughs> it's it's a celebration of the life and like we appreciate the appreciation we have. And that we we're just not taking for granted that we got to be in this place and we're going to get to close it down. We might burn it down by the end of this thing. Um, <laughs> and then lo and behold, I'm walking into the Coliseum and there's a freaking <laughs> brass band playing Saints right. Go Marching In. And I'm like, this, I was in a fever dream, and then I was in a fever dream after the game too, like just leaving and pe- seeing mm. people crying, and it's mm. just it was yeah. whatever the opposite of dystopian is that utopian, I guess utopian, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was utopian. Uh, in the parking lot, it looked dystopian, but it was utopian. Um, mm. You know, because there was obviously like trash everywhere. People, mm. including myself, not like not, mine wasn't wearing a shirt. There were people screaming and beers flying everywhere. There was a guy playing like a ba- like a drummer playing like music in the middle of the parking lot. Like, uh, like it sounded like a heavy metal concert. And there's someone running around with a boombox. It was just, I mean. It was incredible. Uh, it was it was just so incredible. It still hasn't hit me yet. Uh, <laughs> this team, I just love all of them so much. Yeah, I don't know if it's quite. I mean, it it's hit me. I mean, uh, well, I'll talk about it. But like, I I tweeted a bit, little bit about this before. Like, I was a nervous wreck between games four and f- between five and six because they had snuck out a win in Boston in game five. And we'll we'll recap them in depth in a second. And I was completely just like in a fog. Like I just. You know, I was like, that was great. They had moments you know, like where they dominated and then they had moments where they didn't. And, you know, it's very pl- plausible that they could fall fat- flat on their faces here in game six. And the exact opposite happened. Like you said, like it was they, they kicked their asses. Like they just came out and they they talk about stepping on their throat. Like they, they stepped on their throat from the opening face off and never got up again. And it was amazing. It was amazing to see. And um you know, there was a lot of sort of ancillary things that went on with it. Obviously, as we talk about it in the show a lot, the, the pre- preceding two decades or so of, of uh, you know, inferiority and uh, and incompetence. And now all of a sudden this team in three years is one more playoff rounds than they have in the previous 30 combined or something. Um, and then you have, you know, the the opponent at large, the the big bad Bruins, the guys with the perfection line that did what it needed to do and had 15 guys or so that didn't really do much of anything. And, uh, and you had a coach giving a speech, a rant at the end of a game that I think people are going to be studying for years. I don't, I still don't know what the point was. I mean, other than nobody's giving us power plays and it's like, Oh, okay. But like, I don't know what point you're making calling them the saints. I don't know if he knew that like New York saints was obviously the old lacrosse team. I'm sure he didn't. But like, I don't think he realized Bruce Cassidy did that Islanders fans would just take that concept and run with it. And his complaining, you know, may have shaken a, you know, a a tree or something in the referee community or at the league offices. But he was he was never going to get any sympathy from Islanders fans, that's for sure. And they were going to take that that run with it. And I think they're going to keep on running with it. He walked into a a bear pit. I I mean, I was. Yeah, that's when I stopped being like. Not of course I was a wreck, but like I was like, oh god, like this is a good thing that he's doing. Like he thinks I get what he's trying to do, but and if he knew about the New York Saints, like I tip my cap to Bruce Cassidy in, <laughs> in, in some way because that's like you know great callback or whatever. Right. But just he set himself up and he said like 
and this with this fan base are you kidding me like mm. come on just yeah you're gonna right. walk to nassau college see him after doing that and just feeding somebody all of us just the easiest thing and um it's i mean it's a testament to the fans too like the people were so creative with some of the stuff there was a guy coming around with like a pope hat and just being like be safe yeah. everybody blessing everyone to be safe and um and then, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm just I'm getting chills thinking right now. Just, I felt one of the great things about the Coliseum is that no matter where you are, like, you feel like you're like standing over the ice. And like, when you're yelling at somebody and you're giving like a Bronx cheer or whatever, you feel like you are literally like on top of them, screaming at them, like you're leaning over a glass or like a rope or something as, as you would. And like, I don't know if you're like being roped away from, or like, I don't know, boxing. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that one, but like, literally felt like and everyone just screaming new york saints to him after his team got eliminated he's the only one like left on the ice walking off it's patrice bergeron you know of course we got to respect patrice he but patrice bergeron is uh you know shaking all the bruins hands as they go into the tunnel for the last time of the season like they just got eliminated and this guy twelve thousand people none of whom have left are just mm. screaming new york saints at him <laughs> and, and it's just an amazing thing right like these i remember after the penguin series ended like you're like, oh man, that was such a, f- it was, it was a heavyweight brawl. You feel so tired and exhausted. It felt like it lasted a year. And then the Bruins game, uh, series starts game one goes, you know, whatever game two, whatever, first three games mm-hmm. go the way they do. Never in my life would I thought before that series that I'd come game six, there would be people wearing Drew Brees and Ricky, my friend wore a Ricky Williams jersey to the Nassau Coliseum, and it all made sense. Like these, these series just become like these universes of them of their own, and and like these stories of their own, and they just become crazy. Like each series in in, in the playoffs just it comes it it always becomes just bananas. Like you just get so wrapped up in it, so much so that yeah, it makes sense all of a sudden to, to wear a Ricky Williams New Orleans Saints jersey to Game Six between the Boston Bruins and New York Islanders. <laughs> At Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever people play the Bruins, uh, the the old joke, Jack Jack Edwards likes to say they poke the bear. Bruce Cassidy definitely poked the bear. He didn't realize he was doing it at the time. But let, let's go back to that game, and then we'll talk about Cassidy again. Um, so that was game five. was a 5-4 win for the Islanders. Um, you know, it was another one of these games where the Bruins – came out and and just took control right away and David Pass next scores about a minute and a half in and you think oh great here we go um they had almost no zone time the Islanders did but they got a power play very late on a very kind of soft slashing call uh and Barzell scores and he had a fantastic he didn't he didn't score in game six but boy he was great in games four and five and, and without him you know they don't even get to that point so he scored a very confident shot from the slot it was really great then the second was all Islanders. Palmieri scores on the power play. Uh, Marshan ties it going around Ryan Pollock. That was a pretty nice goal. But then Bailey scores, and then Everly scores on the power play. I mean, that's three power play goals in the same the same game that never happened under Barry Trotz. And the fact that the Islanders even got three power plays uh, is just going to lead to what ha- Cassidy does at the end. Um, you know, there was the the one call uh, that uh, Chris Wagner got. I guess it was for. The Palmieri led to the Palmieri goal where he basically cross-checked Barzell in the head. Man, you can't do that. Like, don't do that. And then, you know, the other ones I don't remember really off the top of my head. Maybe they kind of 
could have gone either way. But, you know, the problem with this whole conversation is like all of these things could go kind of all either way. And it's like, you're, you know, as our friend Arthur Staple put it, like if you're going to Zapruder film all of these things, it's just you're going to, you know, fall down a rabbit hole and it's never going to make any sense. It's just the playoffs. Like you just kind of have to take it as it comes. Um, the Bruins replaced Tuka Rask with Jeremy Swayman going to the third and Brock Nelson greets him with an awesome goal again from the slot, makes it 5-2 Islanders. And you're like, holy crap, they're really going to do this. Um, but the Bruins don't go away easily. Pasternak gets another power play goal. Um, David Krejci scores on a bad goal by Varlamov. He, he had it. He kind of juggled it. I don't know if the puck was kind of rolling when he got it. You know, I've never seen him really give up a goal like that, but it was not great. Um, Barry Trotz calls a timeout and says, hey, get it together. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of scrambling moments in those last few minutes, but the Bruins never really came all that close to, to tying the game. Uh, and the Islanders walked out with a win. But shots on goal were 44-19 Bruins. And people thought, oh, gosh, you know, these guys, they can't, they can't do this forever. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, that's two games now where the Bruins, you can say, were by far the better team, including game one. Um, and maybe it's just, you know, the Islanders will just run out of runway eventually. Varlamov, if he didn't make 40 saves... They wouldn't be, you know, coming home with with a lead, but they did. And like I said, I was a nervous wreck. Like I didn't know what to make of it. Um, so Cassidy says after the game, um, you know, the they the Islanders have created this narrative thanks to this. They have a lot, a very uh, a respected management and coaching staff. They've created this narrative that they play the game the right way. So maybe their name should be the New York Saints. First of all, if you haven't listened to Mike Carver's ILC podcast from that, you definitely should because we can't do what he did <laughs> he, he did it better than anybody and it's hilarious to listen to him go off on Cassidy but you know it's funny because everybody was kind of focused on the whole New York Saints thing which obviously like you said took off I was more focused on the respected management and coaching thing because I'm like wow that's the first time anybody said that about the Islanders since like 1992 you know when it was still Bill Torrey and Al Arbor in charge no you know nobody gave the management and coaching respect this team for 30 something years. And now it's like, now they're getting too much. Is that what you're saying? Like, and so that was, I was, I said, I was almost flattered by it. Like, wow. Okay. I'll take a respected management and coaching staff any day of the week. That's great. Uh, but also you probably shouldn't have done that, Bruce. And he ended up getting fined 25 K. So yeah, I'm not surprised people took it around with it because I mean, this is a very creative fan base. Maybe Bruce Cassidy didn't see the whole John Tavares return game. Which uh, featured so many cre- other creative, every <laughs> <laughs> creative chance. Uh, but uh, boy, he stepped in it, boy, and I, he, you know, uh, Seth Rohrbar is a, a Penguins writer, one one of the good ones, and he said, <laughs> you know, Bruce Cassidy could win seventeen Stanley Cups in a row, but he's always going to be the guy who called the Islanders the New York Saints. He's never going to live this down. He's never going to well, live this down. I know. I, <laughs> I, it's it still just cracks me up so much. Um, the whole thing, but just to go back to that game, yeah, I mean, I I was uh, like physically in pain in that third period because it felt like right. anytime I looked up, they were adding time to the clock. Because <laughs> I I knew I was before the period started. I spoke to my friend Mike, who was the one wearing the Ricky Williams jersey, and we both said it. It probably it's prob five is probably enough, but we need six. And uh Nelson scoring obviously made you know was a little bit of a relief, but it just you knew it wasn't enough because you knew that there was going to be a push. Uh it came. And um after they made it the with, with like five and a half minutes left, yeah, f- uh, f- five four, like hmm. 
I've said this a lot throughout the series, just like coming to grips with, hey, this you're going to need to be able to handle blowing a three goal lead in the third period and losing to this team. Like you're going to be, you're going to have to just have confidence that the Islanders will be able to bounce back and maybe get them in Game Seven. And uh, yeah, that timeout. Uh, I, I don't think you could say enough about the job Barry Trotz did in this series, honestly. Because um, <laughs> you think about Game One, they they got their doors blown off, and it's not an easy thing to do to then just get a team. And and I know that the Islanders now are masters at this like resilient, just snap back to whatever once the puck drops for the next game but it's easier said than done like the, to, to get the team to do that is is so impressive and to get them to just relax after the fourth goal with the timeout um was incredible because they, they did a good job closing those last few minutes out and he and like from what one of the great you know coaching maneuvers of i've ever seen was that nelson line was getting caved in the first half mm-hmm. of the game and he flipped Pajot and Nelson, had Pajot center Bailey and Beauvillier, and Nelson with Zajac and Palmieri, and it worked like a charm. Like it just, it was, it was a beautiful stroke of genius from a man who's got so many of them. Um, <laughs> I just want to kiss his bald head all the time. I just every time I see him, I just want to kiss him. Yeah, yeah um, I, I thought the same thing about that timeout because I had seen some criticisms that Trotz, you know, with the five-two lead, was going to sit back. And, you know, defend. And I'm like, that's not really how Barry operates. Like, he doesn't like to sit back and do anything. He'll let you, he'll, they let you take shots from outside because that's their game, as long as you're not playing in the inside and the high danger area. But he's not just going to let them tee off. Like, he wants to push the pace, like, you know, you know, get back into the other zone. So uh, I love that move too. I thought that was great. Yeah. And then, you know, the game ends. Um, I was watching with my wife. And we didn't say anything to each other because I just got up <laughs> and I left to, to walk Elvis. Because, mm. I mean, it must have just sucked. You know, I would to, to lose a game five. Like, and I respected that. So I just walked out. Like, I didn't say anything. Um, I just got Elvis and I was like, I'm taking Elvis for a walk. Go walk. There's a canal down the block for me and mm. walked to the canal and kind of just like looked out there and just thought, like, just kind of collapsed, honestly, like, <laughs> like into like a catcher squat. Um, and I was listening to uh, to Erasure, a little respect, which has kind of become my anthem for this series. It was Warren Zevon? <laughs> Warren Zevon was the Penguin series. This one was in a was Erasure because I want the Islanders to get a little respect. And um, I just, you know, I I was you know, crying a little bit, just looking into the looking out and being like, I could just walk into this. I, if I didn't have Elvis with me, if I didn't have to get Elvis back home, I probably would just walk into that canal and disappear because. I don't. I was. I was physically in agony, um, and they won. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. So, um, that's that was the problem. That's when you're like, oh god, I'm a sicko. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I was wrestling with like a lot of, you know, inner inner things, um, mm. internal stuff. Come home and uh, safe and sound. And boy, am I glad I didn't just walk off into the <laughs> into the good night because of uh, right. Wednesday night was just. Oh my god! Something very special for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I was a total wreck because I was like, okay, the Bruins A are pissed off, B their coach is hugely pissed off, and I don't know if this rant is going to stir the referees and they're going to get like ten power plays or something like that. Uh, I know he's pissed off Islanders fans, and I know they're going to get creative, but you know that has a 
a chance to kind of go sideways too. If, if they lose this game, that's usually embarrassing. I always kind of have a good laugh at Raiders fans who like, you know, get all dressed up and, and get the face paint on and the road warrior, you know, shoulder pads on. And then their team goes like, you know, three and 13. <laughs> like, dude, really? Is it really that way? Is it really yeah. worth the time and effort you put into it? Probably. I, but, I do want to say about the Cassidy rant too, like just talking, you know, this is same thing with Barry Trotz, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how it did reek of desperation a little bit oh, too. Yeah, like, totally. and and you think about the Islanders, what they what don't what the, what happens with the Islanders? They just never get desperate. They never, their back might be against the wall, but you wouldn't be able to tell. They're like, it's, you know, if these guys were playing Russian roulette, <laughs> Scott Mayfield's face would look the same right. as if he was being chased down by Brad Marchand, uh, mm. you know, for on a four check. Like it's these guys are just they're stone cold killers. Like they mm. and they kick. They kicked the crap out of the Bruins on <laughs> in game six. Yeah. I still am speechless. I don't know. Like what yeah. how did this happen? It's it's crazy. Yeah. So so game six, obviously, it's the only game of the night. The uh, Tampa Bay's already Tampa Bay has already, you know, eliminated Carolina the night before. Uh and so, you know, we're we're one of two series still left. And, you know, that's that could have gone either way. But right from the very opening face off, the Islanders had a ton of jump. They were taking it to the Bruins. They weren't sitting back in any way, shape, or form. Travis Zajac, of all people, scores nine minutes into the game, and the roof comes off the play. I mean, it's insane. You know. Oh, by the way, great job on everybody singing the National Anthem. That was a very cool moment. Um, but Travis Zajac, of all people, scores, and it's crazy in that place. Um, you know, Marshan tied it on the power play. Now, they did have a brief five-on-three, and so this is, again, where I thought to myself – Here's where the rant comes in, where it pays off for Cassidy, where they're, they're kind of looking. Um, but you can't say that the Islanders didn't outplay the Bruins in that period. They did. They they uh, they got a little bit messed up after the two power plays, you know, the power play, right back to back power plays, which messed everybody up. Um, but I mean, they were the better team for the, the better part of the period. The second period was all Islanders. They Whatever happened in the first period, they threw it out and they just came out like like they were on fire. Nelson scores maybe one of the best goals he's scored in his career off a steal from Matt Grizzlick, who had a terrible game. It was Lausanne two games ago. Now it's Grizzlick. They want to throw these guys into Boston Harbor. They got to get rid of them. They suck. They send them to Seattle, whatever. Um, that was a great thing. Our friend Carrie Haber was like, I don't know if I've ever seen Nelson skate that fast in his life. He might be right. Beautiful goal. Um, Nelson again, uh, off of a, a mix up between Rask and uh, another defenseman. They just didn't connect on a pass. Bailey picks it up, throws it back to Nelson, who's sitting in front. Then all of a sudden it's 3-1. Then Paul Mary steals the puck from Grizzly right in front of the net and just jams it behind Rask, and it's 4-1. And, I mean, it was like these two teams had just flipped places from the night before. The Bruins had nothing. They had nothing in the tank, and it was 4-1, and that almost didn't even tell you the domination that the Islanders put on them. It was crazy. Um and so, but now you've got a whole other period to sweat it out. So they come out about five minutes in. Marshan scores again on the power play. Um, we'll talk about that whole line in a second. But you know, it makes it four two. It's it's pretty. You know, it's not the most comfortable lead in the world. But for the next twelve or so minutes, the Bruins had no shots. In fact, they had three shots. I think with about five minutes left to go in the period, while the Islanders had I don't know ten or twelve or something like that. They did. They did not sit back. They poured it on. Uh, and Cal Clutterbuck hit an empty net. Ryan Pollock then hit an empty net from his own red line, which was surprising. It's the second time this series they've actually scored two empty net goals. And uh, the Islanders walked out with a 6-2 win. Again, greatest game I've seen this team play in my lifetime. 
finally eclipsing the uh, game three against uh, Toronto in 2002 playoffs, which I was actually at. The Islanders had 29 shots to the Bruins 25. Varlamov made 23 saves. He was great. Didn't really wasn't really called on to do a ton. Um, you know, he left two power play goals. But like, what are you going to do? That you know, if the Bruins want to sit here, want to like figure out how they lost the series, it was not the reps. It was a combination of a couple of things. One, they had one line working. It was that top line? The Islanders tried to stop them, and you know, in a way, they kind of did. But in a way, mostly they didn't. Like. Pasternak, Marchand, Bargeron were phenomenal in this game, and Charlie McAvoy was as well. Outside of those four guys, it's very hard to find a Bruin that played pretty well. And that includes Mr. Trade Deadline, Taylor Hall, who had an empty net goal in game one and then went MIA for the rest of the series. And poor Tuka Rask, you know, did, did he play well in this series? No, quite frankly, he didn't. We've seen him play much better. Um, you know, it, it's tough. he was battling an injury. They didn't talk about it. People are like, well, if he's injured, why is he playing? I don't know why Bruce Cassidy chose to start him over Jeremy Swayman, probably because one's a rookie and one's, you know, Tuka Rask, but he did. And Rask, you know, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't have it. Varlama for the most part did. And that's the end of the story. And it's like, you have one line, you have a, a team with one fantastic line and three other lines that were held in check basically by the Islanders and the Islanders had four lines that were all working. The, the fourth line, you know, Casey Zika scores the game winning goal in game two. Like, that's a fourth line goal in overtime. And that's the kind of depth that the Islanders have. So where are we now? Well, the Islanders, you know, eliminate the Bruins uh, in a series that most people didn't give them a chance in. Um, They've, you know, uh, garnered the ire of all of new England, a lot of people on the radio and wherever, and talking lots of shit about a team that just bounced their Bruins from the playoffs. And they're going to have to deal with that the same way that, Washington and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Florida, to a certain extent, had to deal with it uh, over the last couple of years. And that's just how it is. Like, like you said, you know, that little respect that that's a good thing. Like it did it. Now you're hearing people say, oh, you know, uh, kudos to the Islanders. Like, you know, I haven't been a believer. I'm not quite sure of how it works, but you can't argue with their success. You've been arguing their success for three years. <laughs> So don't give me this shit about kudos to them or, you know, credit to the Islanders. Take the credit and shove it up your ass because you haven't given them jack for three years. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, "Mm, now I got to give them credit. You could have given them credit two years ago, but okay, fine. Now we'll take the credit. I guess whatever. But anyway, (laughs) so so yeah. So, I mean, again, you were there like you were right on the ground floor. It's, you know, uh, I mean, that I could feel it through my computer how how insane that crowd was. It yeah it was uh, I I have a buddy who Eric who was there and he was he summed it up you know pretty well too we've talked about how um, you know we've 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 the reason that the Coliseum sounds like it does and the reason that Islander fans get the oh you know one of the most passionate fan bases in the world is because you have to be certifiable to still be around um, <laughs> and still be rooting for this team because of the shit that we've gone through and. Mm. With every second that ticked off the clock last night, a little bit of that uh, pain just went away. Like it, we talked about how like it's so cathartic in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the, you think back to those dark moments, and uh, when you're when you're screaming for a goal after Kyle Palmieri scores to put you up four one and in the driver's seat, you just you think to some terrible 
you know, games, you think about, you know, Alan Rourke throwing the puck into his own net by accident against the Devils, <laughs> like moments like that. And Snow uh, Angels, the Mike Motto, Snow Angels. Yeah, Mike Motto, Snow Angels, and Brian Strait holding Sidney Crosby in overtime. Um, just mm. all these painful, painful memories. And uh, John Sims' entire career. Uh, you just think about it all. And, and all of a sudden, um, those moments just kind of get lifted off your shoulders because they're being replaced. Like, uh, by these incredible, all of a sudden Travis A. Like I love Travis Ajax so much, which is <laughs> another hilarious thing. Is that Travis Ajax has been a monster? He was just mm. this series was made for him somehow. I don't know how, but it was. And um, you know, we, we we were just talking about that. I actually drove him home from the game, and we were just kind of reminiscing about that kind of stuff and thinking about how you know when when we in our formative years, like as Islander fans, like you'd come to the game and there'd be nobody here. And <laughs> you, there was a really good reason why there was nobody there. Cause the team sucked. Management was a disaster and it, it was 50, 50 if they would be there, uh, you know, in three years from now. Uh, so that to be proven right on that kind of stuff and sticking with the team like those, cause these moments, the moments like last night, uh, when they played Maxine Nightingale at the end of the game, like that was the payoff for, for a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's just, is it worth it? Maybe, I don't know, because it's, there was so much bad shit that's happened to us as a fan base. Uh, but, you know, in that moment, you were happy to have gone through that because you, you, you know, if, if we put it this way, like Noah Dobson's, his viewpoint on the Islanders is very, very different from mine because Noah Dobson has been here for two years and the Islanders have made the Eastern Conference Final or the Conference Final, whatever, the Stanley Cup semifinals this year in both of them. Mm. <laughs> Whereas yeah. in my 31 years of life or my whatever you want to call it, 20 years of fandom, I couldn't dream of this. Like, mm. and, and I've seen so many bottoms. And um, so like, yeah, like there's so many fans who've gone through that kind of stuff that were in the crowd last night, and you saw them, and you're just like, oh god, like you could just see it in their eyes and their tears coming down people's faces, and it's because like that pain all of a sudden was just was replaced by some incredible moments, and um, whether you were at the game or just watching it, like it's prob. I don't really know anybody who was like who's gonna be like that was not one of my favorite games ever by night. Like it was easily the best sporting event I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. I was thinking about Dobson too. It's funny you bring him up. Cause I thought the same thing. Like when was the last time the Islanders had a guy who's, you know, 20 years old with this much playoff experience on a good team? Like maybe never, you know, As, he might have as Pat many LaFontaine. Playoffs. Like I don't know. <laughs> Has you he know, played more playoff games than John Tavares? He, he might. Yeah. He might have. <laughs> right. There was a thing about like Barzell has the, is like the third fastest Islander to I guess forty points or something in in forty playoff games, and, and it was like Matt Barzell's already played forty playoff games. Like what? It's crazy, you know. And so, you know, there's a lot of that. And like I, th- you know, we felt this way too. I, I meant to. I was busy at work today. I didn't get a chance. I meant to go back and listen to our podcast last year after they had finished uh finished off philly and i think there was a lot of this then too that like oh my god like these guys are now you know in in the conference finals at that time and but this is different 
because it happened. This is now two series that have been finished off at the Coliseum after going however many, you know, 20 odd years without doing that with only ever clinching, you know, either on the road or the one at Barclays Center or not clinching at all. Um, and so it's different and it's different that people get can get in there and can can feel the excitement and, and cheer on the team and chant and get crazy and go get loud and, and all that stuff and show people, you know, on TV what what they're made of. Uh, Keith Kincaid, you know, Rangers back up this year, Long Island guy, Islanders season ticket holder from years back. He, he got a big kick out of that New York Saints chant. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the older guys like me are like, you know, remembering days of going to lacrosse games uh, at the Coliseum. And so we all immediately pictured that St. Bernard logo and guys like Sal Acasio and, and uh, the Gate brothers who played mostly against the Saints uh, back then. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was just, a, it just added to the party atmosphere. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, we won. Coliseum is having this great moment. Now we're bringing the Saints into it. Why don't we bring like the New York Dragons too? Like, you know, uh, well, Sparky's there. I mean, Sparky that, is there. That's, you know, so it was, it was a fun, you know, marriage of, you got Sparky the Dragon leading a New York State Saints chant at Nassau Coliseum while the Islanders are playing. And right. All we were missing were the Jaws. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I I mean, another hilarious. So after I I drive, my friend and I, we go to Monaghan's and Rockwell Center where our other friend Chris was waiting us, um, waiting for us. Uh, we get there and we both were wearing Islander jerseys. Um, I finally put a shirt back on. The bar, <laughs> the bar said, you got to put get dressed. And I said, okay. And I go in and we're about to go in and uh, there's these two guys just standing outside the door. And one of them is in a, a, a blue satin jacket mm. and he starts chanting, Saints, Saints, Saints. And, us. <laughs> and this is like midnight in Rockville Center. There's no one around. It's Wednesday night. And I see that he's wearing this satin jacket. And I was like, were you at the game? He goes, no, we, my band just played in here. And I had to wear this. I bought it on eBay and some guy from Valley Stream had this jacket and I got it in time for this gig. That's so he was just yeah he was just wearing his New York Saints satin lacrosse jacket. It's an amazing uh, jacket. Yeah, really it was is. a beautiful jacket. <laughs> it was a beautiful jacket, and like it. But I mean, there's a guy who's playing. You know, his band is playing in in a bar, and he is dressed up in a New York Saints jersey for the Islanders that game that night. Uh, so you know, it was it was weird because the party just kind of sprawled. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure to throughout Long Island to different pockets, and. Um, you just the, the smiles, everything on people's faces was just—it was just so such a sight to behold. And oh my god, yeah, um, and yeah, you know, I mean, we'll get and getting back to what we were saying before. Like, the number one thing about this era is that the expectations have changed. And so, if you look at young guys like Noah Dobson, like Oliver Wallstrom is still hurt, like you know Kiefer Bellows, whose birthday it is today, and Michael Duck, like, but even the guys that are here, like the expectations are different. And it's it's hard for me to not kind of worry about next year already while this season is still going on. But like things are different now. And, you know, we joked last time about these guys essentially rewriting the Islanders record book, which had been kind of dormant for a very, very long time. Um, that's what they're doing. And so this has kind of been a big reset for a lot of the franchise. And again, it's it's all about expectations and it's about getting, you know, understanding that you you can achieve this. <laughs> you have to put in the work. It's hard. Um, and there's going to be st- people standing in your way. And we're going to talk about that team, the next team standing in their way uh, at the other, other side of this break. But uh, it can be done. It, it, it can be done. And, and yeah. the expectations can change. You can hold yourself to a higher standard than you've been doing um, as long as you get the right direction. And that's and what they have. I, I, I like another thing I 
do want to say, you kind of touched on this before about people in the media giving credit. Um, the thing was like, they always say like, oh, the Coliseum, like what, no one does a big game like the Coliseum. It sounds great. But and like, of course, those those people are coming out and saying it again and whatever. But you usually what's happened is like the Coliseum sounds great. The Islanders get eliminated in six. Like that's mm. that's basically <laughs> been my life, right? Or seven or whatever it's been. And now like, it's only going to get bigger. Like it's only going to, mm. like these games are only going to get bigger and more important. Um, but the point what I was trying to make was that, you know, the, the, usually the credit goes to the the kind of the fans. Like, okay, like we know the Islanders aren't going to win, so like we'll we'll appease their fans by saying they're rabid, they're raucous. Mm. It's going to be bedlam. Um, we don't really need to get into the team because, mm. like, we don't really need to talk about Andy <laughs> Hilbert. We don't need to, you know, he's going to be here. He's going to be on uh, OLN for four games, and then we we, <laughs> we don't have to worry about him or Bruno Gervais or Chris Campoli again or in two thousand thirteen, like. Keith O'Coin, like, yeah, sure. Like they're they're giving the Penguins a good series. The Coliseum sounds great, but we don't really need to talk about that this this team and give the credit to them for just being plucky. We can just say they're plucky. Mm-hmm. These these guys now, like, they have to kind of eat crow and do it. Like they need to learn that Josh mm-hmm. Bailey is an absolute legend. Like they need mm-hmm. to learn that these guys are Brock Nelson is unbelievable. That Anthony Beauvillier. I mean, I could watch Anthony Beauvillier chase after pucks. Mm. I just want to. That's what I want to watch. It's like ASMR <laughs> to me. Like you just see him. I love watching him chip a puck behind, do a little shimmy to get past the defenseman, and go to the boards and come out with the puck. It's just such a great sight. And how about that shift? Oh my god! With like three minutes left, when JG Pajot and Clutterbuck and Sezikis and everybody just decided, man, eh, we're just gonna fucking kill this game off. Like, they yeah, the yeah they didn't <laughs> they leave just, the zone. Yeah, it was like yeah. for, for three minutes, and the Islanders had like three line changes, and I just was watching the Bruins. I'm like, why aren't they just skating off? Like, why would it? <laughs> this is I'm like, well, they should just get off the ice because mm. this is. I I was in that was like a sight to behold. Um, the guys that were involved, it was like Leo, Zajac, Zizekas, Clutterbuck, Pajot. Like, what a what a shift! I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, and, and it was the, pretty obvious that like a lot of Bruins reporters had never seen the Bruins go through something like that. You know, like they just, right. where they couldn't leave their own zone. The Bruins don't do that; they do that to you. Exactly. Nope, now it's doing; it's being done to them. I, I, I mean, it was so loud when they got those guys came off the ice. Like each shift change. There were some some really great ovations for people after good shifts, like after Nick Letty on that two on one, and Pelic had a couple big shifts that he got mm-hmm. uh, serenaded with. But that it was so loud in that coliseum. But I really wanted to just plug in to hear what Pierre was saying about those guys because that <laughs> shift was just I I was like I could I feel like Pierre was probably like trying to climb out of his box that he's in <laughs> just, just just to wave a rally towel because that is exactly what he wants to watch. Pierre was, was very something. complimentary throughout the entire game, particularly of Adam Adam Pellick is a star defenseman in this league. Johnny star defenseman. That's I remember that specifically. He said that. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah, that's you know again this this team is. They are rewriting the DNA of this franchise over the course of you know the years, and and it's going to be hard to go back, and it's going to be hard to shake those feelings. Again, that's what this whole podcast is all about. We don't mean to keep bringing it up, but, but we lived it, and so that's what makes this part so special is that we lived through that awful part, and uh, now we're we're ready to, to move on and into a new incarnation of the, the Islanders. Okay, let's take a break. Let's let your voice heal for a second, get a <laughs> sip of tea or a lozenge or something, and uh, we'll come back in a second. And uh, we'll talk about the next team uh, up on deck, which is 
the uh, very formidable Stanley Cup, the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, come back with us in a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. How about some New York Fighting Saints stuff? That's not a real team, but it is now. You can get that at VintageIceHockey.com. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts, uh, and our portion of which goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. And if you code, use the code Lighthouse15, you can save yourself 15%. So get to VintageIceHockey.com today and take a look at all their cool stuff. They also have Long Island Jaws stuff uh, and uh, buy something cool. Uh, okay, so the next team up is the team that uh, punched their ticket the night before the Islanders did. The Tampa Bay Lightning, last year's Stanley Cup champions, the team that eliminated the Islanders last year in the what was then the Eastern Conference Finals uh, in the bubble in Edmonton. Um, you know, we've been people have been revisiting that series uh, over the last uh, day or so. Um, you know, if you remember, the Islanders were the last team out of the Toronto bubble. They beat the Flyers in seven games. They, they flew to Edmonton. And, you know, the next night they had to. Uh, play the lightning and they just got their ass handed to them. Like it was eight, two or something like that. Barry Trotz talked about it on the Michael K show today. They had no chance to win that game actually. But um, you know, from that point out, things started to get a little bit closer. The Islanders and lightning were tied going into game, you know, towards the end of game two missed defensive assignment by Andrew Ladd, who has not been seen since um, led to a Nikita Kucherov goal with seven seconds left. Islanders are down two two games to none. They win game three, um, I believe, with a pretty good effort. They lost game four. They won game five in double overtime uh, with um, Jordan Everly scoring, I believe, that game. And then in game six, uh, also went to overtime or double overtime. And uh, Brock Nelson uh, had a breakaway, missed it. Uh, Anthony Sorelli scored uh, to give the Lightning the win. And so, you know, aside from the first game, which, you know, was kind of a disaster, it, it was it was a lot closer than I think a lot of people thought. Now the Lightning were the better team and they deserve to win, hands down. I mean, I'm not saying that the Islanders had you know could could have should have would have, but you know they could have maybe gone to a game seven. At that point, you never know. Um, the Islanders also played without Adam Pellick for the last couple of games, who had a broken hand or something like that, uh, and Casey Zizekas, who definitely missed the last the last game. I think maybe the last two. Um, they are healthy now. They've got they don't have Anders Lee, but they've got Kyle Palmieri, who's got seven goals. Uh, in this playoff year, obviously, Travis Ajak has played very well. 
Um, you know, they're they're arrested and <laughs> have to fly to Edmonton and then play that night. They are going to have to obviously go to Tampa. We don't know when game one is, by the way, still. I guess it depends on the score of tonight's um, Vegas, Colorado game six. Um, could be Sunday, I guess. Probably Sunday, maybe, maybe Saturday. Who knows? But uh, in any event, you know, it's I think the Islanders are going to be ready. And I know I say this as the guy who thinks they're going to lose every game, but I think they're going to be ready. I think they want this was what they wanted. Um, because I think they want to show that this team, that they can play with that team and take them out. And and I would not have been chanting, we want Tampa at the Coliseum because it's scary. And, you know, <laughs> you get what you wish for. You got to be careful. But, you know, Brock Nelson said he came so close, so close today or in his post-game thing to, to giving the Ric Flair to be the man. You got to beat the man. He said, if you want to you know be the best, you got to take out the best. And he's right. Uh, so, uh you know, I think the Islanders want this. And and if you listen to guys talk, and Trot said this today again to Michael K. And I remember Cal Clutterbuck saying this sometime, like, I don't know, months or so ago. Getting so close last year to getting to the cup final really, really hurt. Like it got it was it really bothered them that they came so close and they just, you know, ran out of gas or whatever. And I feel like they Remember that, and I, they don't want that to happen again. And for the new guys, I think they want this is the this is the opportunity. You know, they have been in the playoffs in a long time in Jersey, or at least one, once once out of a long time. And so, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be ready. Does that mean I think they're going to win? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's still the Lightning; they're still very good. But I think this team is going to be pretty darn motivated. And if they can come out and play the way they have against you know in some of these games against the Bruins and Penguins, um, I think they can they can make a lot of people very unhappy again <laughs> for the third straight time. Yeah. I think it's, it's uh, I mean, it's going to be the same kind of setup as the Bruins series. The Islanders are already, I think they're like plus plus one eighty five mm-hmm. uh, underdogs for the series. The that's kind of right around where they were for the Bruins. Uh, ones. I mean, it's just, people are going to say like, Oh, this was, you know, I respect, I respect what the Islanders have done. Like, you know, they it's been a great ride, but Tampa's probably one hurdle too big and maybe they're right but i tell you what the islanders might not have seen a team like the lightning yet this season Mm. but the lightning certainly haven't seen a team like the islanders yet either like you want to talk about it it's hard to beat this team physically (laughs) and emotionally and you're gonna have to before every game it's like oh god like i'm gonna have matt martin chasing Mm. after me for the next hour like that sucks and stuff like you're going to have to deal with that for however long the series goes. And um, this is a relentless, resilient team. And that is, uh, you know, we, we talk about how people don't give the Islanders respect or whatever and, or credit. And it's just so funny to me because it's the exact type of team that people all around sports clamor for. Mm. They are a team that is a, the, the whole is bigger than like the sum of its parts that this is what sports are all about. It's teamwork. You can't really put a finger on why this team clicks because it just, it's chemistry and it's hard work and it's playing the game the right way. And all that, all those cliches thrown into a cauldron and Lou Lemerell is just stirring a spoon outside the cauldron and uh, Barry Trotz is right there patting him along. And um, (laughs) that's, it's, it's just so unquantifiable. Um, and that's got to be kind of frightening if you're on the other side of this. Like, we know why the Lightning are good. We we know exactly why they're good. And we know, hell, if the Islanders take five penalties a game, 
they're mm. going to lose this series. If the if Varlamov or Sorokin don't play well, they're going to lose because the Lightning have the best goalie in the world. They're, and if they don't get physical against, if they can't, you know, force Victor Hedman to move the puck a second before he wants to, they're going to probably lose this series. But we know what's good about these guys. It's a lot harder on the other side. Like, <laughs> why are the Islanders good? I'm not totally sure. How how could Brock Nelson make that play last night? It looked like his wingspan expanded. Right. Like <laughs> in the moment. And then as Carrie said, like, yeah, he skates like a demon. Mm. And as soon as he won that puck, everybody knew he was going to score. Mm. And, and, but like, what makes these guys so good? I don't really know. Like, I don't even know if they, they know. I don't think they do. Like you see them <laughs> after a game. It's, their, their, their post-game pressers are hilarious because they just say the same things over and over and over again. Mm. And you're like, okay, you're not saying anything. You're not saying like, okay, here's the key to our success. Like we're, we, we, we run this system where we have like a third man high and, and mm. teams can't figure it out. It's hard to beat. They don't say that stuff. They just say like, yeah, like we want to make you battle for every inch of ice. And mm. how do you prepare for that? Like as far as X's and O's. Sure, you got to be like, okay, like you know that someone's going to come hit you if you're below your own red line. Uh, so you got to move the puck, you got to move it to the right spot. But then guess what? Someone else is coming. Like mm. there were some plays yesterday where you just, there was one in particular at the blue line uh, Matt Martin had. Um, and this was after his penalty, which by the way, Barry Trotz putting him right back out on the ice after taking that dumb penalty was amazing. I was like, this guy's awesome. But uh, yeah, like, it was third period. Islanders are four two. Martin is is at the the Bruins blue line. The puck's in the zone. The Islanders are kind of cycling for a minute, and um, he he really had like two options. He could have just flung the puck to a corner, or he could have turned the puck over. And you're looking at a three on two going the other way. And mm. um, if this was five years ago with Matt Martin, six years ago, he he gives that puck away. The Bruins go the other way. Taylor Hall scores. And after the game, you go, I, you know what? I love Matt Martin. He does you know, so many great things. He hits. He's so much fun to watch. He's great in the community, but he's not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, except last night, he got the puck into the corner, and the Islanders went right back to work. And you're like, yeah. this, th- that isn't something that's going to show up on pre-scouts, spreadsheets, or anything. So how do you prepare for that kind of stuff? A team that just knows exactly what to do. They just know what to do. And that's why – as a fan base, like, yeah, we're underdogs and we're definitely underdogs for good reasons, but you should be confident because I, I wouldn't know how to solve this team. I really wouldn't right now. Yeah. Um, you know, um, well, that's what John Cooper is, is trying to do right now. And let me tell you, if there's a guy who knows and has seen a New York saints game, it is John Cooper who uh, we know went to Hofstra on a lacrosse scholarship. So he's been to a few saints games, I'm sure in his career, I'm sure he'll have a few things to say about that. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, the thing about the Lightning that I think, you know, when it boils down to it is that they are arguably the deepest team in the league. Like they've got guys in their fourth line that can score at a rate f- higher than some teams' first lines can. You know, they got Tyler Johnson and and I think Palat, right, on the fourth line. And like they're good. They're extremely deep. And yet the Bruins were thought to be an extremely deep team and the Islanders simply removed three of their lines from the equation. Um, if they could do something like that, uh, then they'll have success. The goalies, like you said, I mean, it's funny how Sorokin, you know, we sat here in for like two, three episodes and extolled how great Sorokin was against the Penguins game. He was in goal for the first game against the Bruins. Um, you know, he didn't play great, but you know, to be honest, the Islanders were kind of dominated in that game. 
Tross went right back to Varlamov and didn't look back. And so I'm curious as to what happens here. Is it, Does he stick with Varlamov? I'm assuming if Varlamov gets in trouble, does he go to Sorokin? If so, what happens? Like, it's interesting to, to see what happens. This could really go in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, right now they're also healthy. Like they didn't have this kind of health going into last year's series as well. So, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I think I'm going to pick them to win. Like, you know, I, I'm obviously hoping that they can. And again, I'm, you know, one of the most pessimistic Islanders fans I know. And at this point, though, like, how, how could you possibly think that they don't they couldn't find a way to get through this? Like, I can see a scenario in which it plays out very much like the last two rounds have, which is that they will get outplayed totally in at least two games and somehow win one of them, <laughs> whether it's an overtime <laughs> or just hanging on for dear life, they'll get completely dominated, but yet they'll come out with at least one win. Then they'll have two games where they dominate the other team and they, you know, maybe, maybe they win one of those, you know, and then there's a couple of even games where it can kind of go back and forth and they end up getting, getting the win that way. Maybe somebody has an outstanding play. Maybe somebody makes a huge mistake, like in the case of, you know, the, the Tristan Jari thing, or the, again, the handoff between Raskin defensemen. So like, that's kind of how the last two series have played out. They've been dominated for a couple of games. They dominated a couple of games themselves. And then they had a couple of even performances in there um, and came out on, on the winning side. So I can totally see that happening again. Um, and, you know, and the other thing too, like we just said, big difference now is they have home games. Um, that works both ways too. I mean, I'm sure going down to Amelie Arena in Tampa is not going to be a fun picnic for the Islanders either. Um, but they're going to have to come up and play at the Coliseum. And, you know, that's going to be a rough one. I know they're used to playing in front of rough crowds. They didn't seem all that put out by playing in Carolina, which is a pretty rough crowd too. Um, but I think psychologically for the Islanders, that, that's huge to have a home game in front of your home crowd. We've seen how they play at home. And uh, yeah, so I, you know, it, it's, it, it, this is a daunting task. And I, as I said before this series, I would not be surprised if the Islanders lost it. But that being said, I can see a path where how they can win. And if they do, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> so we'll save that discussion for another time. But uh, yeah, you know, this, I, I'm I'm surprisingly open to a lot, a host of possibilities here. It's nice that you are too, right? Because the <laughs> yeah. way that the way that people were writing about the Bruins series was there was just right. no way. There was just no way that this team was was going to do it. Uh, and that's what one of our big pet peeves, I think, with the way that the Islanders and, and this is hockey media in general, it's probably yeah. not just the Islanders, but once some, somebody whose job it is to cover and, um, you know, kind of just like serve up both sides of, of a, of a playoff series or a matchup as uh, your job is to, you know, whatever, if you, you're, you're picking a game or whatever uh, you can't just, you, you can't write the article, the preview article as if, it's already a foregone conclusion because your model says the Islanders have a 20% chance of beating the Bruins and you write it with a snark throughout the whole time because your, your model is actually what counts in the NHL. And it's even though, you know, the games don't matter. It's, you know, here's, here's what my, my heat map says. And so it it wasn't like the Islanders don't even, they didn't win. They just advanced. Um, Mm. That's how it, you know, feels like, but I think this series, this past series is really a lesson in that, right? Like, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Like we did not think that the Islanders were going to beat the Bruins at six in front of a crowd of people wearing New Orleans Saints jerseys. I'll say it again. Like we don't know what's going to happen. I finished today. I was just driving. I had to do a lot of run a lot of errands and um, I was just 
on repeat and it never got old. I was just listening mm-hmm. to Saints Go Marching In by the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. And every time the song ended, I just I, I just had it on repeat. And every time the song ended, it would be, be that little silence. And then it would start over. And those like first three horn notes, a, a gigantic smile would just come right back to my face. I'm like, I'm going to listen to this song all over again. And, and it just was like a parade in my my head. Um, and it's been great. And I, I mean, if, if people have been saying this for, I actually was asked this question on a podcast today, like, hey, uh, if, if, you know, you could go back to yourself in 2005 and tell them about what happened, like, what would you do? And I think 15-year-old me would probably punch 31-year-old me in the face and be like, <laughs> either you're lying to me or I'm pissed that I got to wait that long to, to feel this. And, if, and I was just thinking, if you had told me before game one, if games post game six me told post game one me that I was just gonna be driving around Southern Long Island listening to the Preservation Hall jazz band playing Saints Go Marching In and it would have a very significant meaning, mm. I would probably punch post game punch post game one me would probably punch post game six me in the face too. Like it's just it's absurd. Like this hot sport is why we like it. That's absurd. Mm. It's it's fun. That's what I love betting it for this reason because there's a reason to embrace that chaos. You can find value in chaos and betting, and mm. and that's why I think it's hilarious. To, the the Islanders, by the way, have been underdogs. I think in every game of the postseason except for two, uh, <laughs> game three against the Penguins and game six against the Penguins. They might and then, and when I say they're their favorites, I'm talking like. Minus one twelve, so right. basically, basically nothing. And some sports books probably still had the Penguins as favorites, and they're not going to be favored in any mm. of these games. They weren't even close to being favored against the Bruins. They're not going to be close to being favored against the Lightning. And if they play Vegas or Colorado in the next in the Stanley Cup, if they get that far, God willing, they won't be fa- they won't be a favorite in any one of those games either. Like the, this team could honestly go on a run where they've been underdogs in every game except for two in a postseason and win a Stanley Cup. There's, that's a possibility. It's not likely, but it's a possibility. That's why my brain is mush, my voice is shot, and I just have <laughs> been smiling all day long. Yeah. Um, the, there's another thing. On top of, as we talked about before, internet people being like, well, kudos to the Islanders. Yeah, okay. Aside from that, the other thing that happens after all of these series so far is that everybody predicts the Islanders are going to get swept in the next round. Like, you know, if you, you go through mentions and comments and, and you know, Twitter feeds, you'll see people like, well, you know, Bruins fans being like, wow, I mean, come on, lightning in four, you know, lightning in five or whatever. Even some some uh, still butthurt Penguins and Flyers and whatever Caps fans are going to say the same thing. And look, that might ha- that might happen. It could happen. Anything can happen. Sure. But like Ray Ratto at Defector wrote a thing today and he, he was 100 percent right. And if you know anything about Ratto, he's. He's as curmudgeonly as cynical as they come. The The beauty of the NHL playoffs is that literally anything can happen. So, like, is it surprising that the Islanders knocked out the Bruins? Yeah, sure. Of course it is. But this is the, these are this NHL playoffs. Like, this kind of stuff happens all the time. Like, we, as Islanders fans, have a, a history book full of these moments. And then we also have the history book full of the dynasty moments. But, like... We talk about the, the you know the the seventy five playoffs or the the seventy six playoffs you know against the the uh, Canadians and or like the ninety three playoffs where they knocked off the Penguins like that's the kind of stuff that we live for like we we have these these moments and that's just one team I, the way people act as if you know these results are set in stone for the moment that the series is is you know decided 
is it, that to me it's just like the, dude have you ever watched a hockey game like i don't we never know you never know what these things and so yeah obviously look the lightning could completely destroy the islanders it happens but like would is it really that surprising if the islanders won the series considering what they've done so far considering this sport no not really i mean it could happen so yeah. you know yeah then, and, and i i love i love those people too because it's if if you're not you're you're not gonna like get the playoffs outlawed, so it's like right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that the best team doesn't always win. Um, Dude, don't even you, get me started. If you want to watch, watch, watch a sport where the best team always wins, I mean, I guess basketball is as close as you can get to it right now, and uh, mm. you're more than welcome to go do that and spill ink over the 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 Brooklyn Nets or whoever. But uh, in this sport, the reason that it works and it's such a romantic sport to follow is because of exactly what you were talking about. And yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, I just don't understand it. And I, that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. The whole, Oh, McKin, uh, not McKin, uh, McDavid and Crosby and Matthews. They're all out. What is this sport going to do? Dude, this sport has survived world wars, two pandemics, lockouts, expansion, contraction, dispersal drafts. It has survived everything. Connor McDavid not being in the playoffs isn't going to ruin the sport. It's okay. <laughs> like it will survive. I promise you the sport of hockey will continue and it will continue to be as unwatched in this country as it ever has been. And to be honest, you know, obviously a lot of this comes from like Leafs fans and like, Oh, you know, not having the Leafs in the, in the playoffs is, is a, is a huge problem for the league. How nobody here cares. Nobody here cares. Nobody in New York cares about the goddamn Maple Leafs. Nobody here cares. If anything, and again, this is a discussion for another time. I don't want to spoil it. If anything, Vegas and Seattle being good is better for the league in the long run than Toronto being good. Because if Toronto is good, you're not gaining any new fans. But like, how many people have jumped on the Vegas bandwagon since they came into the league and were immediately good? A lot. And if and God forbid, if Seattle does it, forget it. Like with the kitschy name and the, the cool city, forget it. They could be the most popular team in the league within a year. And good for them. And that would be helpful to the league. But I love how everybody, you know, a, a good team gets eliminated or a good player gets eliminated from the playoffs and suddenly everybody ends up being like, you know, marketing exec at the NHL. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? These guys are out of the league. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Like just let the teams that are going to win, win and, and go on. It's just it drives me absolutely bonkers. Just like I was listening. I won't say who we talked about him enough last time. You can go back and find out, but like I listened to another one of one of those podcasts and, and the guy was complaining that, you know, the, the, he, he had to turn off the Islanders game. I believe it was game game four uh, because the, uh, they weren't letting the Bruins do anything on offense. And I'm listening to it and I'm thinking to myself, that's the point. Don't let them do anything. That's the point. Like, you know, what are they supposed to do? Just, just let Pasternak and Bergeron yeah. and Mar- Marshan just respect tee off? Patrice. Yeah, we we got to respect Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Please take a shot okay. on our goalie. And if it goes in, congratulations. Like, yeah. no, that's not how it works. They're not supposed to give up these chances. They're not supposed to do that. That's the whole point. So I just, I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't want people want. I know they don't want the Islanders in the, in the, the final four, or the cup final or whatever. Well, yeah. That part I get. But what they want, I, I don't know. I, do, I know what I, I want. I got. It. <laughs> I I think it's great that the the like that narrative has has, has like just kind of billowed out. And, but people are being like tipping their hat a little bit now and be like, well, maybe yeah, maybe I should rethink about how much it right. does mean to have somebody buy in, like to have a team buy in. Maybe that is exactly what you know. That's what wins in the the NHL. Right. Like, oh, oh, you mean the exact thing that we've been saying for three years now, <laughs> like the, like you, we've just been like, Oh no, like you guys, I, 
I don't think you get it. Like if Austin Matthews can score 75 goals a season, but um, if he gets lit up by Shea Weber mm. and decides that he doesn't want to get lit up by Shea Weber again in the next game, so he's just going to kind of skate around the perimeter, you're not going to beat them in the playoffs. I don't know what to tell you. Like that's just kind of how it works. And um, that's kind of what we've been saying all along. And it's, it's one hilarious that outcome of all of this I think is going to happen is – I think we we could all be in agreement. The Islanders are a bit of a, an outlier. Um, Lou Lamarillo comes, takes over this team, and uh, I think was assuming he was going to have a fire sale on his hands, and <laughs> then all of a sudden realized, like, oh no, like yeah, Josh Bailey's a good hockey player. Brock Nelson's mm-hmm. a good hockey player. Jordan Emerly's a great hockey player, and Matt Barzell's a star. Beauvillier is really good. Pelic Pulak, like these guys are awesome. Um, and all of a sudden, the Islanders are good because they have a they're a bunch of good players who maybe unheralded, but good players, great coach. No, sorry. That is grossly under un, un, a gross understatement. <laughs> great players, best coach of all time, maybe. Um, and coaching them, like and all of a sudden they got a formula to success. Not everybody has that. Like you, you look at the Bruins fourth line and especially after Curtis Lazar got hurt, like you think Chris Wagner is up to par with Casey Zegas or Matt Martin or Cal Clutterbuck. No, he's not like, He's a fourth line banger, the way people think Matt Martin and Kyle Clutterbuck are. Mm. And as frustrating as those two guys can get when they're in front of the net, that's not what they're here for. They're here to, to just wear down opponents, and that's what they did. They're, um, they're Chris Wagner might be louder, but like the Islanders are a much more bite than bark team, and uh, the fourth line is is what it is. And I think people uh, are are going to try to emulate that the nhl is a copycat league and all of a sudden i think we're going to see a lot of teams just hire coaches and be like you got to implement a system we're going to get all these grizzled vets and like you know the fourth line is going to be filled with players like blake como or whoever (laughs) and we we just want you to get them to all buy in and and whatever and it's just not going to work like it's because it's it's, there's very few teams that can do it Mm -hmm. Uh, there's very few coaches that can get that kind of those kind of results and but it's going to happen like you're going to see teams do it and um and then you're going to have a team like the Ottawa Senators who probably aren't going to go that route because they have a lot of exciting talent and they're pretty, you know, they had a great end of the season and they might just surpass all these guys too. <laughs> like there's just going to be a hilarious thing where these, this league is going to try to go quote unquote Islander style and yeah. it's not going to work out for anybody <laughs> except for us. And maybe right. the Senators. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, one, one real thing, one quick thing before we wrap up is, uh, you know, you're talking about buy-in. Our, our friend Noel Fogelman posted a picture this morning uh, saying that, you know, the, the turnaround from the press conference of Garth Snow, Doug Waite, John Ledecky, 2018, the turnaround from that the time that that press conference happened is remarkable. And it's all about the buy-in. Like, I'm not saying those guys didn't want to play or didn't want to, to win. And, you know, maybe someday wear down the line, Doug Waite makes a good coach, but buy-in for Barry Trotz, you know, is uh, clearly superior. Like this team believes in ways that they did not before. And I remember when that press conference happened, I wrote the article about it at Lighthouse Hockey. And I was like, you know, they can't come back with these guys and expect different results. Like, you know, they've been saying this now for a long time. At some point, unacceptable has to be literally unacceptable. You can't accept it and you have to change. And they did. And here they are. And it's like, and now, and and Pierre Maguire pointed out last night, to his credit, a lot of the guys in this team, most of the guys in this team were acquired by Garth Snow. Um, but, you know, it took a Barry Trotz and I, I think in a lot of ways, Lou Lamorello 
to unlock what this team had within it. And, you know, now you've seen, seen the results two years in a row to be in the, in the semifinals is, is pretty remarkable. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I think we've, we've said enough. Uh, <laughs> I hope everybody enjoys their Friday. Um, again, we don't know when game one will be. Could be Saturday, could be Sunday. I'm guessing it's Sunday, but uh, we'll I see. It's I hope Sunday, it's Sunday. I will, I will have another day of just resting on Rest. my laurels before. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exhausting. It really is so exhausting. Yeah. Get, oh, boy. Get, uh, um, yeah, another se- whole other series, maybe two. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, you better it's, you better be ready. <laughs> you better I'll get some rest. I guess I have to drive out to the island on Saturday, so I'm kind of hoping it's Sunday. But uh, we'll <laughs> see where it goes. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. Make sure you read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. Uh, Dom dropped some haikus for us today, so if you haven't seen them yet, go read them. He's bringing them back. I think it's the perfect time. <laughs> They're just what we all need. So check out Dom's haikus. Uh, and uh, check out vintageicehockey.com. You get some uh, New York, uh, uh, New York fighting saints stuff, New York Jaws stuff as well, Long Island Jaws stuff as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his stuff at the Action Network. Congratulations to our friend Joe and his wife who welcomed a new baby girl this week. Big week, <laughs> I would assume, at their house. And um, enjoy the ride is what I'm. Is all enjoy I'm the ride. To say. Yeah. Just another thing is like we we talked about this right after the game uh, at that bar. And my friend Eric said it, and I agreed with him. He's like, I I've never been more present mm. as a fan, maybe in in life, than I am right now. Like just soaking it all in. And he's right. Like I think Islander fans are just so good at that right now. We learned yeah. we learned it. We learned it. I think in like 2018 a little bit, or you know 2019 a little bit, and in, in that first sweep, kind of stopped smell the roses. But it was over so quick after that. But now it's like. We were just at the Coliseum um, for game six against the Boston Bruins. The Islanders eliminated them. Mm. Um, that's amazing. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Took us a long time to get to the, the be present point, but we are here. <laughs> so that's good advice. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be back uh, next week somehow, some way after uh, whatever games we <laughs> can't play. We'll, we'll figure it out then, but we will be back. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.